theyeshiva.net. There's a famous Talmud Yerushalmi that divrei Torah aniyah b'makom echad v'ashinah b'makom acher. Words of Torah are poor in one place and wealthy in another place, which means that whenever you learn any sugi and halacha and gemara, mishnayos or shochanaruch, whatever it is, in any part of Torah, you don't have usually in one place all the information that you need to have. In one place, it may be brief, concise, so to speak, poor in the sense that it's not fully developed or articulated that you can understand. And you look to another place, and there you have more wealth. And you have to bring the two together. That's how it is everywhere. That's how it, it works. One sugya borrows from the other, and the other one borrows from the first. That's how it works. Same is true, of course, in all aspects of Torah. Yesterday, we started to learn the Maimon in Torah, which was said by the Balatanya in Tovkof Ayin Aleph, as I mentioned, which is 1810. And the main idea he brought out in the first section of the Maimon, now the Maimon goes off to a second section, was that Rachel and Leah represent spiritually, mystically, two dynamics, the world of thought and the world of speech, the hidden world and the revealed world, or in the original language, Almedes Kassia and Almedes Galia, and he applied it to the two stages of Jewish history. In the time of the Beis Hamikdash, when the Shekhinah was so manifestedly revealed in the Holy Land, the idea was that Leah was being filtered through Rachel. In other words, the energy of Leah, of the hidden world, was coming out through Rachel, who represents the energy that can be articulated and defined and revealed because she represents Dibur. <coughs> so therefore, Dibur, the skill of Dibur, Dibur represents the ability to articulate things and tuning into those things that can be articulated through speech in an organized fashion. And therefore, there was a tremendous explosion and revelation of godliness in Eretz Yisrael in terms of the Beis HaMikdash, Nevi'im, Baliruch HaKodesh, Hashras HaShchina, Urim V'tumim, the Karbonis, the fire came down from heaven, etc. After the Churban Beis HaMikdash, Rachel goes into exile. That's the concept of Golis HaShchina. And the Avoidah becomes one that is more focused on Birurim. Birurim is sorting, selecting, dissecting, struggling, removing shells and husks and excavating, right? Excavating and discovering the angel in the marble. But nonetheless, in Yisrael, you still have Leia. Leia does not go into Golos. And Leia is much deeper than Rachel, just like Machshava is far deeper than Dibur. It can't be articulated in Dibur. So when Leia is being filtered, so to speak, through Rachel, Leia is being revealed in a cohesive, organized fashion in Eretz Yisrael, that's the time of the Beis HaMikdash. When Leia is not being filtered through Rachel, it remains iskasiadik. It remains concealed. And thus, the Gilui Elikus in Eretz Yisrael lacks. You don't have the Gilui, because you don't have the Rachel. But those people who can tune in to the energy that is available in Eretz Yisrael can tune in to Hasagas al Yoiser, to greater and deeper Hasagas, even then similar tzaddikim on the same level would experience the Bezman Beis Because they're challenged to access the energy of Leah, which transcends deeply the energy of Rachel, because it's a Hasagin Machshava rather than a Hasagin Dibr. It's almost like not watching you speak, but watching you think. Watching you think, experiencing your thought, or on another level, not experiencing your conscious thoughts, but experiencing your unconscious thoughts. And he gives the example of the Arizal, or similar with the Yerushim and who were all in the time of Golas, not in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, and nonetheless, their Hasagas were, were unique.
The next year, Tovkuf Ayin Beis, the Alter Rebbe said another Maimer, also on this Parsha. Tovkuf Ayin Beis would be 1811, which is actually one year before his passing, which was Tovkuf Ayin Gimel, 1812, Tevis, It's a very short one, and uh, we made a copy of it. I mentioned one idea from there. So we're going to go back to this Maimer, but to understand what he says about Leia and Rachel here, there's a few, be- a few has baited that he said one year later that give um, tremendous clarification and also application to this discussion about Leia and Rachel and what they represent. This uh, Maimir, you could, you could see it, uh, we made a copy here, but it's from a set, Maimari Admur Hazakir of the year Tovkofayin Beis, that series of that year. And it's actually a uniquely short mime. They're usually not so short. As you see, they're usually longer. But this is one, uh, one paragraph. And um, if you look in footnote one, on the word, it starts inyin. It says, Nitfas kan miguf ksav yad kodesh at samach tzedek b'sefer tovkofayin beis. Samach tzedek, who was the grandson of the Balatanya, his daughter's son, was, uh, was, was one, of, one of the writers of his grandfather's discourses. And uh, he wrote this down, this piece that he heard from his grandfather, and they still have the original manuscript, and they printed it from his original manuscript, from the Tzamach Tzedek, who wrote these words that he heard from his grandfather. And it starts, well, let's take a look inside. Inyan kisnu Leia. Let's understand the concept that Leia was hated. Vayehavis Rachel. And Yaakov loved Rachel. Which is, of course, a pelish of a pelish. The Torah she says, "Lovin shtei bonus shem akdoil leya shem akdana rachel vayehav Yaakov is rachel." Torah it says the difference: the eyes of Leia were weak, were poor, were soft. Rakos, rakos means soft or weak or dim. Rashi says she wept a lot, and Yaakov and Rachel is yifas Torah yifas marish. She's she's gorgeous. Her beauty is is, is dazzling. It's splendid. Rashi says Toyar and Mara represent different things. Toyar is the physique, the symmetry of one's physique, and Mara is the ziv cluster upon him, the countenance, the face of a person. There's two aspects to the beauty of a body. And she's both Yifas Toyar, Yifas Mara, Vayav Yaakov is Rachel. He loves Rachel. And the love doesn't stop, the love doesn't cease. It's not like after seven years, you know, it calms down. On the contrary, when Yaakov is deceived by his father-in-law, and who gives him Leah instead of Rachel. So it says that Yaakov consummates the marriage with Leah. In the morning, he sees, and he comes to Lavan and he says, Why did you deceive me? I worked for Rachel. And Lavan, of course, says, I am the moral person. You're the crook. In our place, we don't put the oldest before the younger. You don't marry off an older, younger sister before an older sister. You finish your Sheva Brachas, Malish You'll marry Rachel, and you'll work for another seven years. You'll work for 14 years to get your two wives. And Yaakov agrees. He, he goes through what he goes through. And he'll marry Rachel. He'll work another seven years. And the Torah sums up the story by Yav Gamas Rachel Mileya. He loves Rachel too, but he loves her more than Leah. And the next scene is Vayar Hashem Kisnua Leah. Hashem saw that Leah was literally hated. So the Rebbe wants to understand what's this union of Snua Leah and Rachel is loved. How do you understand this? 
Besides, you have a question. So Yaakov was Bamish married to a woman that he despised, that he loathed. And you see all of her children, she struggles with this. The first boy she names her Uvein. Ra Hashem Ba'ani, God saw my pain. Ki Yevani, she now will love me. Shimon, Shama Hashem, Ki God heard that I am hated. Levi, now finally my husband will become a partner. Apam Yilava. So this is an experience in Leah. What's the Havana of this? What's the understanding of this? Hatam. The reason is this. Mishum Shepchines Leah Higavoya Ba'oid B'madrega. Contrary to what one may think intuitively when they read the story, or maybe exactly what one would think intuitively, Leah is extremely, an extremely lofty person, a very sublime person. She's in a very, very deeply spiritually sensitive person. When it says in Tehillim, she is the mother of the children. Remember, she is the one who ultimately brought into the world six of the Shvatim of Klal Yisrael. Rachel brought two, Yosef and Binyamin. Bilha brought two. Zilpah, the other maid, brought another two. So between all of them, you had six. And Leah herself, is the ultimate Eim Abonim who brings Shisha Shvat. And the number six is important. The number six, six Shvatim come from her. And that's why Yaakov could not really recognize her. What does this mean? He couldn't recognize her. Yaakov represents. The higher godly Midas, or as it often says in the Maimorim, which is basically the combination of Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Choyd, Yisait. Those are known as the Midas, Elyonis, Hashem's Midas. That's what Yaakov represents. And they are always Lamata Mehaseich. They are below awareness, because emotions are born from Seichel, from awareness. Ki Midas come from Seichel, because my Shekhazim, the Basak says in Mishle, Yud Beis, Lefi Sichloi, Yehulal Ish. According to one's mind, one's brain, one's Seichel, a person will be praised. But here he teaches it different. Lefi Sichloi, Yehulal Ish means, you could also read it, Yehalel Ish. A person praises according to his Seichel. In other words, our emotions are always commensurate with our awareness. You cannot emote about anything without an awareness, without a label. Emotions are usually born from awareness. I love this person. I despise this person. I'm scared of this person. I'm crazy about this person. I'm jealous of this person. Or this thing or this item. Every emotion has to be preceded by thoughts that label it, define it, dissect it, and then you can emote. And that's why, even though sometimes emotions feel so intense, but the fact is, the way you think about things is ultimately the way you feel about things. We respond emotionally based on awareness. Sometimes we don't realize you could think about it in a different way because we take our thoughts for granted and we believe that they are absolutes. But the truth is, Midais are always based on Seichel. So the Seichel itself is always higher than the Midas. It's superior, it's deeper than the Midas. And that's where Leia is. Like we learned in the Maimon Torah, Leia is Machshava, Leia is Almadis Kasia, 
Yaakov is Midas, so that means Leah comes from a place that's deeper than Yaakov, spiritually, psychologically, deeper than Yaakov. What do we see in Yaakov is Midas? And I see that Leah's, you said yesterday, or in one thing, Leah's Machshavah's Tassi. What do we see in Yaakov is Tadatta Midas? So generally we say that Avram was the Pchin of Chesed, and Yitzchak was the Pchin of Gvura, the Zohar says this, and Yaakov was the Pchin of Tiferes and Rachman. Tiferes is considered like the vortex, the center of the Midday, so that's why we associate him with, uh, with the Midday. Generally, even though it's Midas HaTiferes, Midas HaTiferes is considered like the central, the central Midday. Ela, when you speak about Leia, Seichel itself has so many layers. Leia represents... The final rung of seichel, the hainupchinas oisis hamachshava, which are the letters of thought, shehein levushei haseichel, which are really the garments of seichel, because all ideas are cloaked in thoughts. Ideas are cloaked in thoughts, pictures, truths, what we call seichel. Ideas. The way we process ideas is by thinking about the ideas. Can you tap into an idea without thinking about the idea? That's that's a profound experience. We process ideas through processing ideas. Processing ideas means I'm thinking about the idea. That's the levush. So even though machshava, we don't associate, we don't distinguish between thinking about an idea and an idea. But the truth is, ideas and thoughts of the idea are two separate things. Machshava is considered the pchina acharoyna of seichel because it's the levush for the seichel. It, what do I mean a lavush? A lavush means it's my handle, it's my access to the idea. How do I have an idea? I have to think about it, and then I could speak about it. But first is machshava, which is a lavush. Valkei nikras leia. That's why she's called leia. Shemilosh na'yefus. Leia comes from the idea, means, which means exhaustion, tired. K'moi vayilu limtzei ha-pesach. In Parshas Vayera, it says that the malachim um, struck the people of Zdoim b'sanveirim. They were blinded. And therefore, Vayilu, they, they were exhausted from looking for the door to be able to break into Lloyd's house. They're searching and searching and searching to the point that they, they just fell from exhaustion and dread. It's too much. Vayilu So Leia is, Leia denotes Ayefa's exhaustion. Shehinila Tamit. Because Leia represents something that is forever exhausted, tired. Why? Because she's always receiving a flow of energy and it never stops. Because thoughts are always moving. Even when you're sleeping, you would think you could shut off your thoughts. You don't shut off your thoughts. You just dream. But you're always thinking. You're always experiencing a flow of something coming into you. And therefore, Leia is always dynamic. There's always a vibrancy, there's always a flow, because in the level of machshava, the energy never stops. So she's always getting ashpa, she's always experiencing something, stimuli, and therefore it's extremely exhausting. But even though we're saying it's machshava, it's completely higher than the middas, because middas are in a different realm than seichel, they're lower than seichel. So this is a completely different realm than Midas. Leia is above. And that's why Yaakov couldn't recognize who she really is. Because Leia was so deep and so beyond him, he could not recognize her true qualities. Rachel Rachel represents the world of speech. 
which actually follows the Midas. It follows the emotions. It receives from Yaakov. Therefore, look at this line. That's why Leah was hated. You know why? We hate what we don't understand. Things that are concealed and beyond our comprehension, we cannot wrap our brains around it, we have no pleasure in them. They threaten us, they drive us crazy, they make us mad, they frustrate us. And therefore, we're forced to hate them. <laughs> we're forced to hate them because they're too deep, they're too profound. We don't acknowledge their profundity because <laughs> there would be no justification for hate. But that's the reality, the sensation that it creates in a person. From something that you get, that you grasp, that you wrap your brain around, that you make sense of. Ah, This builds your identity. This confirms your identity. This enhances your identity. Ah, you've got it in your bosom. You've got it in your brain. Your brain has it. Ah. You walk out with a smile, you feel good. And that's why Rachel is beloved. And so now let's understand what is he saying, a little bit in our words. I mean, this probably can be applied in, in literally hundreds of different ways, or maybe much more infinite different ways. But I'll just say it in one, one, one application of it. When he speaks here about Midas, Seichel, Machshava, it's also in a very abstract way. There's midas, emotions. There's dibur, words. There's machshava, which are thoughts. There's seichel, which are the ideas that produce the thoughts. This is a rung of the human personality, how our psyche functions. We speak, but you don't speak in a vacuum. Speech is preceded by the energy that fuels, what fuels your words, what fuels your words are emotions. What fuels your emotions are ideas. The transition of ideas to you comes through thoughts. Those thoughts are articulated in words and in letters. So that's the rung that you have. So you have Seichel, Leia, Machshava, you have Midos, Yaakov, you have Rochel, which is Divos. If you understand the context of what he's saying, though, he's actually, and here the words of the Torah are very helpful, Almadis Kasya and Almadis Galya. Almadis Kasya means something that's concealed. What does it mean it's concealed? Not that it's not deep. It's much deeper, and that's why it's concealed. In other words, I have no way of making sense of it. So what is the difference between Leah and Rachel? Here, Leah and Rachel represents two elements of your own self, your own psyche. Leah, Rachel, is the part of yourself that you could make sense of. It's the part of yourself that you can wrap your brain around. It's the part of yourself that somehow you can structure, you can talk about it. It's articulated. It's Amadeus Galia. It can be revealed. It has a place where it's settling. It's settled. You can classify it. You can put it in a box. This is who I am. Is there a part of yourself that you actually make sense of? We try to do this all day. Make sense of ourselves. Make sense of our spouses. Make sense of our lives. Make sense of our children. Make sense of God. Make sense of existence. We all try to do it in one way or another. If you're having a good day and you make money, it just makes sense. Exactly. You make sense out of your life, right? I go to work, I come home with a nice paycheck, even a nicer one, even a nicer one. My life somehow makes sense. That's on a very simple level. But on any level, deep, more deep, more external, more spiritual, more physical, we try to make sense, first of ourselves, the people around us. And we love that. 
the more you can make sense of it, the more you're in control of it. It's predictable. It has a category. It goes in somewhere. There's filing cabinets. Your life could be put into places. It makes sense. We love that which we understand. What people understand, they love, they respect, they cherish, because it works. It works for them. We hate things that we don't understand. Why? They shock us. They frustrate us. They force us to... They rattle, they rattle our comfort zones. Who wants to rattle their comfort zone? You want to make sense. Suddenly it doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit in with your parents. What do you do? It's expand. Ah, oh, but that's, that takes a lot of humility. <laughs> that takes, the easier thing to do is... Shut down. As I'm a now. <laughs> He's a Meshuggah Another way we do it is Apicursus. This is Apicursus. How do you do it to yourself? You, 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 you crush it. You deny it. You repress it. You delegitimize it. You curse yourself for it. Okay. Well, are symbolic, obviously. They manif- these ideas manifested in the people, but the ideas are represent every person. This Leia, obviously, that's this paradigm here. Okay, so one second. So Leia represents the parts of the self that I cannot make sense of. I don't have my finger on it. I can't wrap my brain around it. It has my brain wrapped in it. I don't have my brain wrapped around it. It has me wrapped in it. It's the part of me that doesn't make sense. Now, let's apply this to machshav. When you talk about machshav, it's conscious thoughts that are already like dibur. Right? When you're reading the speech, you're also thinking. When you're reading a paper, words, you're also thinking. That's already machshava of the world of dibur. That's articulated machshava. And then there's, here we're talking about machshava that's even higher than midas. What would be machshava that's higher than midas? Seichel that's higher than midas. Here we're talking about emotions is my articulated self. Who am I? This is who I might, my articulated self. Seichel and machshava here is talking about a higher self that gives birth to my midas, but it's the mother. And the mother means it's the origin, it's the source. It's not only seichel means, okay, uh, this table is brown and I like the color brown, I'll buy it for my house. Seichel means all levels of awareness that give birth to all of your emotions. How much do you know of that? All levels of your awareness could be conscious, could be subconscious, could be a little conscious, could be super conscious, could be sub-subconscious, and could be sub-sub-subconscious and more. I don't know if I'm making up terms or not, but uh, the concept you agree. It's like how many layers, how many basements do you have, you know? You have one basement, and you have a cave, and in the cave you have another cave, right? We're discussing the, the, the lack of the, um, the emotional uh, aspect versus the intellectual. When a person can intellectually say, I don't understand this, okay, it's, it's out of my realm of uh, intellectual base. But emotionally, I can't expand into that world because it's too threatening to me. It seems like it's a d- division. Well, emotions are very much how I relate to the world. The emotions are how I relate to the world. They're always fueled by an awareness. So but a person is not intimidated by an intellectual lack. Yeah. Huh? A person doesn't have to be intimidated by intellectual lack. I don't understand that. It's above my pay grade. But emotionally, I don't understand how you're responding to me. Like, it makes me just yeah, exactly. back and off. Exactly. Exactly. So once you're aware of it, it's almost like Dibber. No, it's already closer to the world of Dibur. It's closer to the world of Dibur. It's Almadiz Galia. 
So Amadeus Gas and Amadeus Galia exist on many different levels, right? What's revealed and what's concealed. But the concept is always the same concept. That which lends itself to be articulated. In other words, you can define it. Why? Because it's restricted. It's filtered. It's boxed in. So I can articulate it. I can define it. I can say it's this and not this. And that which is far more nebulous, far more elusive, far more abstract, far more intangible, far more mufshat, and therefore it remains concealed. Not because it's less intense, because it's far, it's far more intense. And therefore it has to remain concealed, because it shuns to be articulated in a particular way. It defies being restricted, it defies being limited, it can't be. Which is why our brain filters so much of our internal core and doesn't allow us to experience it, not because it's not there, because it's so there and it's so powerful and it's so deep and it's so infinite, it can become overwhelming. So it remains concealed and it has to remain concealed. And when a person is exposed to that concealment, it's exhausting. It's extremely exhausting. That is the pain of Leia. It never stopped. Like you, like you said yesterday, some people say, I just can't stop thinking. So sometimes it translates, unfortunately, into a very serious, uh, you know, mental challenge. But again, we're talking here about the root of the idea, even in spiritual terms. And that is the concept that a person who is deeply, deeply in touch with a source, with a flow that never ceases, and is it's extremely, extremely intense, it does not relax. But even in the, in the sleep, you can't relax from it. You're dreaming about it too. That causes internal exhaustion because you're privy to so much more. You see more, you perceive more, you're sensitive to more, you're receiving much more, and it's like the, it's Niagara Falls. <laughs> you know, there's the flow of the sink, there's a nice waterfall in the lake, and then there's Niagara Falls. It's a whole different level. But it's not static. What I mean is, what, it's true that when you, you don't sense something and you don't get, you can't wrap the head around it, it's very frustrating, so it's very weakening, wasting, whatever. But one of the great joys, conversely, is when you take something that you can't wrap your head around and then you grow into it. I mean, in marriage, when a spouse is begin to get each other, the, the Amadiscasi part, that's a great job. I'm not a therapist, but like Moshe, but it seems to me when someone goes through therapy and a part of themselves they never push understood, the therapist makes them understand, that is, there's no greater nachas than that. Just epiphany. Guys, an epiphany. Right. Oh, I'm distraction. Um, that's the process. Originally, I hated. <laughs> If I stick with it, I'll learn to love it. Why? Because I will understand it? Yeah. Right. You have to respect it. Gandhi's Kasi will become his Gandhi. You expand your face. be something that you're aware of, but you still, you still, you still don't grasp. Of course. There's a trickle. There's, there's a light. There's a glimmer. There's a glimmer. Now, so in every person... Do you have Leia and you have Rachel? In simple words, Rachel is the part of yourself that you can make sense of, and you do make sense of. Leia is the part of yourself that you can't make sense of. It's very hidden. It doesn't allow itself to be articulated because it's beyond it. And uh, it's, it's really a very deep place in the person, which comes from a much deeper space in him. And because it comes from such a deeper space in him, therefore, it has those qualities of iskasya, it has those qualities of machshava. It has to do with the depth, deepest layers of the human psyche and the human existence that are very, very profound, and I can't, I can't understand it. It's too heavy. It's too much. 
That's my Leia. I usually don't know Leia. I don't have a relationship with Leia. And if I start having a relationship with Leia, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go there. <laughs> Please, let's not go there. Rachel, I love spending time with Rachel. I'm good. I have her. I have Rachel. She has me. Whatever. It works. It's a hand in the glove. Leia doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So what happens? There's a lot of resistance. That's the word. Kisnua Leia means people resist Leia. We don't like things that we cannot fit into our paradigms, into our comfort zones. They make us annoyed. And what do I do then? What do I do? The easiest thing to do is to say, I hate you. We're not the same type. <laughs> Why? Maybe we are really the same type. Maybe you're triggering in me things that I don't want to deal with. And therefore, if I cut you out of my life, I'll have much more peace. What does it mean, cut you out? It can mean physically. It can mean emotionally I'll cut you out. I mean, I'm threatened by you. I mean, I just can't be with you in the same Dalaramas. Or it just means I have to play a game with you. But it's all different forms of rejection. And it applies even in very simple ways. Sometimes... I've told you many times, there's different types of shirim. Sometimes you'll hear a shir. Most Jews, when they hear a shir, they have one objective, to make it fit into what they know already. That's the objective of most shirim. They want to make it fit in, right? That's why most responses that I will get over the years after a shir is, it reminds me of a vart I heard last week. Why does it have to remind you of a vart I heard last week? Because that's what we do. I have a filing cabinet of who God is, what Judaism is, what religion is, what it's supposed to look like. You added a new word, okay, it goes into this filing cabinet. Samsoifer, fine. Briskerov, fine. Chazanish, fine. Noida Behuda, fine. A story, a word, a joke, but it fits into the box. Mida, connected Mida is one big paradigm in Judah. Okay, there's another Mida, connected Mida. And organized people, they build their portfolios of religion that way. What if somebody actually says something completely new? So either you fall asleep, which is resistance, right? Or you start texting. Or, or, text. or, or you put him in cherem. <laughs> or you put him in cherem. You're threatened. So either you say, I'm a sugar. So then you don't have to deal with it. I don't have to deal with Because they're crazy. Crazy people are crazy people. Or I say, he's not crazy. He's dangerous. He's, he's going to destroy all of our kids. The same thing. It's resistance. I cannot deal with it because it was too new. So what do I do with it? Or maybe I could do something else. But that takes a lot, a lot of humility, right? A lot, a lot of humility to do something else. So the natural process is that Slayer, we hate. Expand or kill? What's the other way? I didn't want to say the other way because you have to figure it out. <laughs> But there's something else. Sense to, to sit with your pain, to understand why you're resisting it. What is it that you're resisting? Because that's where the truth is. Don't make sense. You don't have to manipulate it. You don't have to manipulate You have to sit with it. Let it make sense of you. You don't have to make sense of it. That's the big difference. Let it make sense of you. You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have to come with a pen and paper and classify it. Leia defies classification. It's very exhausting to be in that mode. That's why we don't do it. We don't like it. Now go to the real Leia and Rachel, okay? In terms of a spouse. <coughs> in terms of a spouse, it's quite obvious, okay? There is the Rachel and there's the Leia. There's the part of your wife or your husband. I know there's some Russians that come here listening. 
This is the part of your wife or the part of your husband that you make sense of, right? Or you, tr- let me put it that way. You try to make sense of it. You try. This is who she is. This is this. This is that, right? And in fact, Hopefully, there was an attraction, which is the reason, right? The Gemara says, Asr Ladam, Asr Ladam Lakadish, doesn't only go on strangers, it also goes on your wife. There's a mitzvah of Recha at least like every Jew. And the Gemara says, Mitzvah to love her as much as you love yourself, to respect her more than you respect yourself. So there's the element of my spouse that you call Rachel. What's Rachel? Yifas Kayar v'yifas Mara. Rachel is beautiful. Who calls her beautiful? Me. I call her beautiful. Why? Because she's beautiful to me. Yomari <laughs> says in Saita, Shalish Chinasein, Chain Isha Al-Bailah. This works. This is why you wanted this wife. This is why you wanted this husband. You love the humor. You love the spunk. You love the wisdom. You love the depth. You love the honesty. You love the candidness. You love the balabatishkeit. You love the sharpness. You love the emotional sensitivity. Whatever I don't know what all you guys were thinking about, but whatever it was, hopefully all of the above. All of the above. I hope your wife is listening. Huh? <laughs> That's what you want. That's your fast Rashi says toyer mara. Again, toyer is physique symmetry, and mara is countenance. It's two separate things. Another What's toya? What's mara? Toya is balance. Symmetry is balance. You know, symmetry, an artist. And then this mara is not balance. Mara is the depth of wisdom that shines through the face. That is toya and mara. But Rachel is beautiful. Why is it beautiful? You could say, ah, this is gorgeous. This is a piece of art. Why do I call it a piece of art? Because I appreciate it. You relate to it. I relate to it. It's relatable. It fits into my paradigms. What a good spouse is. What a meaningful relationship is. What a fulfilling marriage is. What a romantic, loving, joyous life together is. It doesn't mean there's no struggles. There's no challenges. People are people. Their moods change. Dispositions change. People go through struggles. But Rachel is something I could, so to speak, put in my box. That's Rachel. Finite. Finite, yes. Dibur, finite. Always finite. That's the word. Mem, mem psucha. Leia is the part of your spouse that makes you exhausted. Why? Of course it's the same person. That's the point. It's always the same person. It's not even your spouse. It's yourself. It's also your spouse. It's also your children. It's your friends. It's everything. Everything in life is Leia and Rachel. Leia and Rachel. It's also Leia and Rachel. It's also two people. But like I told you, every character in Torah is, is a character in the self. It's the part of your spouse that makes you exhausted. And when somebody asks you, what do you think of this aspect of your wife? You say, I hate it. Of course you hate it. It drives you crazy. drives you mad. frustrates you. It annoys you. shakes you up. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. And some people have this, and sometimes it's overwhelming. I hate this. Oh, I say, what is it? What is it? I can't make sense. I can't integrate it into me. It, it just it brings up stuff. And again, this is on many different levels. This is not one vart. This is many, many different levels. But why is it? I'm, being, I'm observing something that I never made peace within myself. And because I never made peace within myself, I cannot make peace with that in you. So therefore, Leia is exhausted, and Leia causes me to get exhausted for the same reason. Because it's challenging me 
to connect to something, I'm looking at something that does not fit into my comfort zone. And it's rattling me, it's shaking me up. So what do we do? We say, get out of my life. Again, we cut off. We cut ourselves off. How? Some people physically get caught, they separate. Some people emotionally, may not be physically, emotionally. I create a new life for myself without you. Because when I look at you, I get headaches. I can't deal with it. So I go to places that don't give me headaches. I'm not going to sit with it. It's too difficult. Or I turn you into a mashugana. It's always the easiest thing, right? There's a t-shirt I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. That works. If I turn you into a mashugana, it's always wonderful. She's crazy. He's crazy. They're insane. I'm the normal one. You want a normal person to be with a crazy person. It doesn't work. So therefore, Rachel, I love. Leah, instinctively, instinctively, we have deep resistance to it. Now comes probably the line that uh, I still look at it, and it's astounding if you understand a little bit of the history of philosophy and psychology and psychoanalysis and therapy and studies of self-awareness and amagotherapy and marriage therapy and this, that this was actually said before the entire discipline was even considered in a, in a primordial soup, Okay. <laughs> But now look at the next line in this moment. And that's why Yaakov had to marry Leah, but only unconsciously. It could not happen in a way that he would agree with it. It had to be because Leah represents something that is beyond his das. So if you would consult Yaakov, he would say, never. It's beyond my das. This is not me. I'm sorry. This is not my shidduch. So we marry Leah, but we cannot be asked. Because if we're asked, we'll right away reject it. We don't like Leah. It's not me. I need somebody who's going to be my soulmate, not your soulmate and not God's soulmate. <laughs> I need my soulmate. For this, I have to know me. But what about the part of me that I don't know? Ah, I can't marry that person. But there is a part of you that you don't know. So what the Alter Rebbe is saying is, you don't marry one person. You marry two people. You always marry two people. Your conscious self marries your conscious wife or husband. Your, sub, your super conscious self also marries. And it marries your super conscious spouse. So Yaakov has to get married to Leah. But it's Shalomi Daita. If you would come to Yaakov and say, Look, I was a Shiddach, Leah, why don't you meet? Shmuel's Yaakov is like, Another Shiddach. Find you another Shiddach. Of course, super conscious. Always happens, super conscious. So the, the imagine Yaakov and Leah is not just a story in a love and he fooled them and deceived them. It's, it's a conceptual idea. We enter into a marriage with Leah, but always beyond our das. Because Leia represents that which is beyond my das. So my das can't feel comfortable. My das won't initiate the relationship. I'm not going into this relationship. What does it do with me? It defies me. It challenges me. It's, it frustrates me. It rattles me. It, it's annoying for me. It always happens, shalaymi das. So on a level of yourself where you can't make sense of yourself, you're in a relationship with the aspect of your spouse that you also can't make sense of because it's beyond the conscious self. In, in, in terms of Kedusha, of Eretz Yisrael, it's the divine energy 
that doesn't lend itself to be articulated, and now you are in the relationship. But here is the key. Yaakov wants to marry Rachel. On the way to marry Rachel, you always marry Leah first. Because you cannot have a relationship with Rachel if you don't first have a relationship with your Leah. Because if you don't have a relationship first with your Leah, your relationship with Rachel is based on cutting off who you really are. So your relationship with Rachel is really superficial. So the only way you can have a real relationship with Rachel is if you make peace with Leah in yourself and in your spouse. So that's why you have Tikkun Leah, Tikkun Rachel every night. And Tikkun Chatzoy is just Tikkun Leah, Tikkun Rachel. Two days of Rosh Hashanah, yeah? So this is by definition every marriage. It's not yes, so in other words, what we learn from this Maimer, that the marriage of Yaakov to Leah and Rachel is a story about almost every marriage. It's every marriage. To put it in very simple terms, whenever anybody is getting married, they always think they're marrying Rachel. Hopefully, hopefully I should say, I know not always, unfortunately. If somebody's forcing you into a marriage, it's a disaster and you shouldn't allow that to happen to you or to your children. I don't care which community you live in. There's no right to force people into marriage. It's sheer cruelty. I'm not talking about helping people work through their fears and challenges. I'm talking about a person knows that I don't want this. And to force them, I don't understand the logic of it. And to, to blame it on Judaism is a separate disaster. Okay, that's just the truth I had to say. But unfiltered. Huh? What you're saying is even if it's not prearranged marriage, it's also the same thing. Of course. That's exactly my point. If it's a prearranged marriage... Thank God runs the show. Then I don't know what to say. But I'm talking about, so to speak, a conventional marriage, which is at least uh, not completely prearranged. There's some level of familiarity, or maybe even a deep level of familiarity. You always think you're marrying Rachel. That's why you're marrying her. Hopefully, you fast her, you fast married. This is great. It's going to be beautiful. You don't get married to get divorced. I mean, it's not Hollywood. Masech Gitin is not supposed to come before Masech Kedushin, only when you're learning Gemara. <laughs> right? You don't get married to get divorced six hours later. Before the end of the wedding, they already have a nuptial, 28 million for her, 28 million for him. So I'm getting married to Rachel because she's Yifas Tov, Yifas Mara. So we're always going to marry Rachel. And when you are planning to get married, you're planning to marry Rachel. But then there comes the next scene of the Pasuk. Vayarba Boiker, Vihinehi Leia. The sun shines, and you take a look, and you're like, whoa, I ended up with Leia. But that, I couldn't have initiated. I couldn't have processed. I couldn't have created it. I would never create it because the I would never be in that relationship. It was created for me by me, but not by my conscious me. <laughs> There's another element of Yaakov that took him to Leia, and Leia took him to Yaakov. Now, there's another mime of the Balatan Yosem where he describes why Lovin is the one who did this. It's not for now, but why Lovin? What Lovin represents? Lovin comes from the word white. White is the color that includes all colors, endless possibilities. Lovin is the ultimate crook, which spiritually means Lovin represents something that's not fixed in a particular image. A crook represents somebody, I said this today, but tomorrow I change my mind. So in this world, it's a horrible trait. Everything has a shirish in godliness. It means the level of kedusha that's not fixed. It's not stuck. And therefore, hechlif esmaskurti aseres moinim. 
There's no one color. It's not green or blue or yellow. White is the source. Ultimately, it includes, it contains all colors. So therefore, Lavan makes the switch because Lavan challenges the person not to get stuck in anything. Okay, that's again Alpiruchnius in a different Maimer, also in Torah So what happens here is when I get married, I'm always planning to marry Rachel, and that's how it should be. And we make up in seven years, and it's great, or seven months, or seven weeks, whatever, or whatever it is. But you When you get married, maybe the next morning, maybe the next year, maybe in ten years, maybe in seventeen years, whatever it is, and what happens when you see Leia? It's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I hate Leia. I can't deal with Leia. Get it out of my life. You're not for me. Who, who ever heard of this? I never knew this. I never saw this. But the truth is, there's another path. The path is that you have to open yourself up to the part of you that you never made sense of. And therefore, open yourself up to the part of her that you never made sense of. And then you can actually marry Rachel. <laughs> With there's the path to Rachel always leads through Leia. Because if not, my relationship with Rachel is based on cutting off who I am. So I can't even love Rachel with my full being. Because my full being is not in the relationship. Because my full being remains detached from the relationship. Because a lot of my relationship with Rachel is still based on my insecurity. So therefore, it's through Leia, which is exhausting, that I can ultimately reach Rachel. And as you, we all know in the end of the story, ultimately, in the physical story, Rachel passes on and Yaakov remains married to one person, to Leah. And Yaakov is buried not with Rachel, but with Leah, which is interesting because Rachel was his dream. But ultimately, Rachel is part of Leah. She's really part of Leah. Alma Galia comes from Alma Desgalia. It's one world. So the two sisters really merge, so to speak, on some level into one. And Leia is the mother of the six Shvatim. Now, according to this, I think we have a whole new depth in this Minhag Yisrael of the Badakinesh. I'm going to bring up some very sweet memories. Remember your Badakinesh? The Badakin, the Chassan veils the bride. Why does the Chassan veil the bride? What's the reason? The time I'm in Hagen, there's different reasons for it. One is the, the Shekhinah is on her face. But it's an interesting thing that she's veiled during the Chuppah. And in many communities, when he does the Kiddushin, he doesn't see her, she doesn't see him. So you're putting your ring on her finger by many communities where she remains veiled throughout. He says, arguably the most important moment of the marriage. They're getting married. It's like the whole, this, everything is going to be based on this moment. Halachically too, this is the Chalois Kiddushin. You need a get. All the halachas, it's a serious moment. It's the moment. And at that moment, he doesn't see her. She doesn't see him. For all he knows, it could be Hillary. Okay. It's just a joke. But for all he knows, it could be, I don't know, the Shvigar. He doesn't see her. The rational wisdom would say, you're getting married, take off the badekin. Exactly. You don't cover up the merchandise. She goes around seven times examining the merchandise and he doesn't see anything. What's pshat? So it says in Svarim, because Leah was covered. That's why Yaakov didn't see. Why didn't Yaakov see who he's marrying? It was a whole mishnah. Why didn't he look? She was veiled. Lovin was very frum. And it was a real thick veil. You know, it was ten tvachim probably, or maybe ten amas. Sheikh hazoynish. Sheikh hazoynish. So you couldn't even get a glimpse of a glimpse of a glimpse. 
and uh, and Yaakov, uh, Yaakov was deceived. Now we have, so my question is, why do we want to perpetuate what Lovin did? <laughs> Lovin did it. He wanted to fool Yaakov. We don't want to fool anybody. The Emes is, you have to do the Badekanish. Because basically what the Badekanish, you're telling your Kala is, that I know that I'm marrying two people. I am marrying the part of you that I see, but I'm also marrying the part of you that I don't see. And I know that when I'm entering into the relationship, I'm entering into a relationship with somebody that part of them I don't see. Not because I don't want to see it, but because I can't see it at this moment. Not because I'm dumb and naive, but because that's life. There is a journey into deeper and deeper layers of self. And if you're not ready to marry Leah, you're not ready to marry Rachel. You're not ready to marry. If you're not ready to marry Leah, then you're not really ready for a relationship because part of you will remain outside of the relationship and part of the other person will remain outside of the relationship because the moment you will discover your layer, her layer, it's like, whoa, I hate you. So therefore, the Badekanish is essential to that process. So therefore, Yaakov's story is really our story. So we marry Leah. We always marry Leah, but it happens on a level Shaloi Das. And the rest of your life, you work that out. You unravel you unravel that mystery where each day Almadis Kasya becomes more Almadis Galia, and then there's another layer of Almadis Kasya. Initially, Leia causes exhaustion. That's Leia. Initially, Leia causes exhaustion. Rachel, we said, it's brought in Kabbalah. The Ramemi Fanu writes, Ramemi Fanu Menachem Azariah Fanu, who was one of the big Kabbalah in Italy. He says, Rachel is Begematria. Vayihi Ur, 238, exact opposite. Rachel is Ur, Dibur, light, revelation. Rachel walks into the room and everybody says, Ah, Vayihi Ur, the light has come. Rachel is about light. Light is about seeing. I could see. I see what I get, just like when you speak. I speak, I hear you. I, can't, I don't guess your thoughts. I don't know your inner thoughts. Rachel is the part of self that's Ur. You can shine a light on it. In other words, it could be seen, it could be articulated, it could be defined. That's Rachel. Rachel is the you, Rachel is the sheep. Now, if that's the case, so it's a whole different Mahalach Rachel. They were two different types of people too. You can't compare who Rachel was to Leah was. They were two completely different personalities. Two very different types of people. Ene Leah, Rachel, the eyes of Leah were very tender. They were very soft. You looked into Leah's eyes, you saw there's a lot there. You could dismiss it if you were superficial. But his argument here is that Leia was hated not because she was a bad lady or because she was just, you know, never made it. Leia was hated because she was too deep for most people. And when we encounter very deep people, we just don't like them. (laughs) Why? It challenges mediocrity. Mediocre people don't like big, deep people. They challenges us, and therefore we do different things to them. The first thing we do is we cut them out of our life emotionally. And that was the story of Leah. You know, there's an expression, somebody once said, we don't love other people, we love our version of them. That's the key. We don't love other people, we love our version of them. I have my version of you, and it fits with me, and that's what I love. The question is, do I love you, or do I love my version of you? Do I love my child, or do I love my version of my child? It looks like you love your child, but maybe you only love your version of your child. And as long as he suits the version, perfect. You know, he goes on that path, 
whatever that is, I love. The moment you're not my version, it's like, whoa, I can't make sense of it. There's no nachas here. What is the community? It's not predictable anymore. Once it's not predictable, it's very, very difficult to sit with it. Humility helps. Sense of humor helps. Yeah. Humor helps. Some other things help too. Alcohol helps. <laughs> um, it helps. I don't know if it's a solution. One would speculate that Paramodas Hashem works by the same dialectical movement of converting all of this Kasi into all of this And just like Rachel led yet, right up to start with Veil, maybe we have to start with Kafu and Harkidigis. We never would have agreed, or Yaakov never would have agreed. Beautiful. And then as you move forward, you convert. Amadis Kasi, Amadis Galia. He's saying Kafalem Harkigigis would be like Leia. There's a part of the relationship that I can't ask you. The next year here will be Monday. Okay? Monday morning. Not tomorrow and not Shabbos. My brother is here for Shabbos, yes. Why does Leia come first? Why does Leia come first? Leia by definition comes first, because that's the real relationship. That's where the work is. Huh? Leia is your real, your real self, your deeper self. It comes first, number one. Number two, it's a result of this. To be connected to Rachel, I really have to be connected to Leia because if not, I'm not connected to Rachel with my full self. And I'm not connecting to her with her full self. I'm just connecting with her in order to make myself comfortable. I'm not really connecting to her with my full, undiluted self. I'm just connecting with her because that makes sense. It works. To be able to connect with Rachel in a deep, in a real way, I need to connect with Leia in a deep way. And ultimately, Leia will have to be filtered through Rachel. That's what the Beis HaMikdash looked like. Leia works with Rachel. That's the unity of the two sisters. The Shechina filters Leia so I can articulate Leia. And then there's a time of Chorban where you have to deal with Leia itself. In other words, we would call that somebody who has a breakdown. The Chorban is a breakdown emotionally. Beis HaMikdash is a cohesive self. The Chorban is the breakdown of, of the of personality. Your Beis HaMikdash gets destroyed, right? Your Shechina goes into Golos. And all you have is these, this chaos in your life. And now you have no choice to go to Rachel because Rachel broke down. Now you have to go to Leia. And that's, that's the Arizal. The Arizal tapped in to the infinite chaos of the universe that was only available in Golos. But when he tapped into that, he can heal the world because he went back to the original Leia. You get it? So the Arizal was forced, the Arizal, the Baal they were forced to tap into a chaos because integration was not available anymore. So they had to go and make real peace with Leia. They had to be able to open up the world to the energy of Leia and heal it. That was probably their greatest depth, their greatest greatness, because, you know, you, you run away from this stuff. It's like nuclear energy. There's a lot in this little mime. There's a lot here. It's not so short as it seems. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.